You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists. Hi, you're listening to Sustainably Geeky. This is episode 50, and we're joined today by Ollie Frost, who is the guy who impersonated his local council, played recorder for Simon Cowell, and put all his personal data on eBay. His work has been featured everywhere from UK Parliament to Britain's Got Talent, BBC to Fox News, in art shows, and on bins. And most recently, you might recognize his work from Instagram and other social media, where he turned climate action into an aerobics routine, predicted how his followers would die, and generated a million plant-based recipes. So, Ollie, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and can you kind of just tell us a little bit more about yourself? What is your origin story? Okay. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, my origin story, if you go back a long way, um, I studied philosophy some years ago and left university knowing that maybe I wanted to do something other than um, banking law and uh, medicine, just because, not because those aren't lovely things to do, but because everybody else was doing those. Um, and I started working in uh, an ad agency for a little bit. And as you know, over time, you know, that hasn't worked out as a particularly interesting way to make work for a while. So, um, but it, it did lead to something else, which is that I was working as, on an internship and they had this project about um, go out in the world and save the world for um, no money and we might give you a job as, if you succeed, which which they didn't in the end. But um, I started working on this project that's quite unrelated to what I do now, but it was about um, what homeless people do when they're on their period, which is or period poverty was not an issue that anyone had heard of at the time. So I made this website and an online petition that kind of as much as I've ever had, you know, um, quote unquote, blew up and got mentioned in Parliament and turned into this um, movement that was around the world that, you know, travelled. And um, I think that started me on this path that led led me here because it kind of showed me that, um, you know, me sitting at home and, 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 and making some, some websites and some videos had a little bit of potential to... Um, expand my you know personal sphere of influence beyond uh the the very limited one it has otherwise and that sort of sent me down this uh long path of making different projects that um kind of leads me to here yeah so you your activism um may have started with a different topic but um it sounds like you know the climate crisis is something you're really passionate about and and you decided to kind of focus your energy there yeah it's um i think i think like a lot of i mean it's something that's been on my mind for a long time but as as i think many people could say it wasn't until a few years ago um that you know people people became aware that it was something that you had to um had to get involved with so there was a i guess a switch from the kind of projects that i was working on before that and then i tried to apply um the things i enjoyed about those to 
to starting this this new project, which is um, I call um, this Ollie Frost Refrost the Planet project. So, how did you come up with that concept of refrosting the planet? Um, I uh, it's all like a quite a there's a lot, and I'm done, doing quite a terrible job of explaining it so far, but it's quite like um, long context of trying to find a project that um, was both, you know, useful and a good thing to work on and also something rewarding um, to myself. So um, my previous project was, uh, I was playing hip hop songs on the recorder as um, under the name Recorder Boy. Um, and I'd had some projects before that, um, which were again like separate, separate to myself, or or they were one step removed from myself. And I'd read a piece of advice to kind of. Um, you know, put put yourself into into your work a little bit, and um, so refrosting the planet was kind of how I got there by that um, spin on my own name. No, I like that, and um, yeah, it's it's playing to what you're interested in and your strengths, and also uh, you know, it's playing words that that people can kind of that that make people kind of stop and think. <laughs> um, so. You know, obviously, you said you started out making websites and and doing some other things um, creatively, and um, now you've kind of moved into, um, I think, what what one of your pages says is the eco-friendly novelty music genre. Uh, so you have a couple of songs uh, that have gone viral. Um, one about Greta Thunberg. It's getting wetter and wetter. You've got to listen, 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 listen. Where do you get your inspiration? Do you have any other, you know, folks in this genre that that you look up to, or um, how do you think of, you know, like what you want to sing about? Um, I obviously it's a, a niche a niche genre. <laughs> um, I think my inspiration would probably go back to school when I was um, into Flight of the Concords quite a lot, and I loved how they um, explored a different genre or style um with each song so i owe a, a great debt uh to them all and uh yeah a great deal of time time wasted quoting that quoting that show um, um it, it's interesting yeah that that we can get inspiration from different places and humor really is like i think so important when we're talking about topics that are so serious, um, like climate change, even though it's not a funny topic, but it helps kind of, you know, I, I don't know, bring people around or get them um, more relaxed and able to talk about it rather than just constant doom and gloom. You kind of need both, but I think the humor helps lighten it a little and get people a little more willing to listen. <laughs> um, so you have a unique style of uh, communicating important issues in a way that's accessible to a wide audience. Um, why do you think it is important to 
communicate these issues creatively um, rather than just using like more traditional forms of communication. I mean, now that we have social media and the internet, um, you know, folks can can do a lot more than, than they could 20, 30 years ago when the only way to reach people was through mass media. Yeah, um, I think two, two reasons for that, or, or maybe it's actually the same reason, but I guess I'm communicating it now um, in a way that is the same as, as I was doing before I started working on this um, project. So, you know, I was doing um, this recorder boy thing, but um, when I turned it into refrost the planet, that was just continuing the skills or, or things that I was learning to do in that project and applying it to this issue. So it was about doing, um, communicating the way that I was good at or, or was natural for me. Um, and I, I think the other reason to communicate it um, differently is uh, I'm trying to communicate it in a way that would a appeal to someone like myself because I don't respond to um, doom, you know, doom and gloom necessarily is, is part of it, but um, things communicated in a very straight way, way um, kind of put people off. And I think especially with the environment where it's got this legacy of um, cliched environmental activists, um, you know, as a, you know, the, our own prime minister called it like bunny hugging or something. Um, like it, it's, it's really tropey. And I, I think the, the job that I was going for is um, we need to be able to, it's just quite unique and that we need to bring everybody um, into the fold. So there has to be th different things for different people. Um, and it, it, I'm just trying to fill the, the niche of uh, making things that would appeal to me. No, I love that. Yeah, there's definitely um, people who who respond better, like like you said, to um, different forms of communication. So when you are, uh, you know, trying to raise awareness for different issues, uh, you know, there's so many things that come up when we start talking about climate change and environment. So how do you decide which issues to focus on? Um, is there like a light bulb moment or do you just kind of like have a list of things ongoing. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think I've noticed that the, or certainly at least with the songs, the things that have um, motivated each of them have probably been reading something or, um, or yeah, usually reading something or getting a new piece of information where it's kind of makes you think like there, there are so many things that people already think about climate change or environmental issues or or like things that people accept and then there's a every now and then there's a fact that kind of surprises you and makes you think oh I thought the issue was all about this but maybe it's a little more about that so the song I wrote about um pirates um pirates who are climate conscious um I think was a few days after I'd watched um Seaspiracy. So I'm, I'm assuming there's no co there's a bit of a it's not a coincidence there. Every pirate was the same. We could not wait for climate change. The seas were swallowed all the land. We cherry raise our hooks and hands. One day a girl boarded the ship, a sweet heading to us. I met she said you've got the whole thing wrong. Well you looked when everyone's gone. Hi! Ho! What's happening on 
the one I wrote about um, it was a kind of a synth pop odyssey of all, about all greenhouse gas emissions uh, broken down by industrial sector by year. And I think that was from, um, I think it was Bill Gates's book or whether or not you, you know, level or leave it. But um, talking about how something like iron and steel um, has a such a huge, or cement has such a huge footprint, but we focus on other things. So I guess, you know, trying to focus on those things that go beyond what people already know, which is tricky because it's easier to, to talk about what we already know and accept. But, um, you know, we got in Inconvenient Truth or whatever, like polar bears stranded on ice, you know, on icebergs and and penguins and, and, and stuff like that. And I, if I ever look at something and say like, oh, that's a little bit more like 90s climate change communication or that's like a little bit noughties, um, uh, try and put that aside um yeah and focus on things that move us beyond that uh basic point of hey the earth's getting hot blah 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 blah. um because so much of it is like that yeah yeah that's that's great because i mean times change and knowledge changes and and we need to reflect that you know yeah the polar bears do still need our help there's so many other things happening too that people like when you see a polar bear i think people feel removed from it like how does that affect me but when you start singing about you know these more specific things that they may not realize connect to them um that's i think how you start to reach more people and get those folks who are on the fringe who aren't paying attention or who are just kind of like oh the environmental issues you know don't apply to me kind of thing <laughs> um so you know You've you've done speaking of um, you know some some of the cool things that you've done uh, to kind of get people's attention and um, kind of I guess maybe sometimes it's it's for a cause but sometimes it's it seems like it's uh, more for fun or for um, you know a creative outlet. Um, you, you've had a lot of other uh, projects that you've done a lot over the years. Um, such as you, you did a crowdfunding site called flopstarter.com and lifefaker.com. Um, do you want to talk about any of these projects that are ongoing um, and kind of, you know, what, what they are or why you decided to, to start them? Yeah. Um, so the ones you mentioned, Flopstarter was kind of like a, a crowdfunding site for um, bad ideas. Uh, of which I was like having a lot of at the time but some of the examples were like um coconut shampoo for coconuts or like a a timeless watch without hands or natural death beef which is made from cows that have just died in their sleep or or like had a little tumble or there was a fashion range that was yeah just clothes that that people had already died in um and I guess that was all about um, that project is I was having a lot of these individual thoughts and I thought, oh yeah, and I realized there's not time to make everything into a project. Sometimes you have to use social media as kind of a testing ground to see what's interesting. So the idea was that I'd just put up the the crowd, I'd make my own, you couldn't get on Kickstarter, so I made my own site where you could just put up the idea of the thing. Um, and that was a way of 
of, of putting out work work quicker. Um, and then did there any was, of it get funded or? <laughs> well, there was there was a guy um, who did put. So one of them was called Cloud Fallen Water, um, <laughs> okay. and it was it was just okay. like it was just rainwater essentially. <laughs> but like he put down the, some of the money for it. Um, and then he then he tries to take it out or something, and and it turned out he works in ag agua, agua, aqua economic water economics or something. He was a university um, professor, and then he spoke to me about a lot of very interesting um, things about water economics that I, I knew nothing about, and how he thought this idea could be helpful for communicating them. Uh, and some people did put their card details down for the natural death beef which is like several several thousands but yeah it doesn't it doesn't take the money unless it gets fully funded um but yeah strange things strange things happen when you you put them up on the internet <laughs> and it gets still gets maybe like a thousand had like a thousand or so submissions many of which are <laughs> not just bad ideas they're just absolute garbage and i couldn't i couldn't even post them but <laughs> um and that the other one you mentioned lifefaker.com was um i think started prior to that one because it it took me a very long time to make and which is what led me to making flopstarter which let me make things quite quickly but lifefaker was a site where you could buy packages of instagram photos so instead of living an amazing life um you could just post other people's photos um, and I've, I've wanted to kind of like rework that as something called like, maybe it'd be called Insta Green or something. So instead of going on holiday and doing all these not particularly sustainable ways of living um, or being wealthy, you could just steal other people's uh, Instagram photos. And again, strange people, things happened there where people really did email in and, and want to sell me their photos. Um, for me to put up on this site um, but yeah those I guess those projects are part of a yeah a legacy that, that brought me here because I think I stopped doing things like that just because making websites was unrewarding to me because it was like just like destroying my neck and um, just being like just doing code was just like didn't seem like a way to live so that was what the predecessor to me doing the recorder thing which was more performance-based and um more fun for me to do so uh, i guess my moral there at least is that yeah the, the if you're going to do a, a start a project on on climate change or it's going to be something that you're going to work on for a long time it has to be something as is obvious isn't it but it has to be something that you physically enjoy doing as well as being something that you think you should do just as if this podcast has been running for, um, I think you said four years, you know, you must enjoy, um, you must enjoy the process of, of talking to people, even if I'm sure editing it is quite grueling sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've uh, come, come a long way in the technical side of it and I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing half the time, but, um, but yeah, it is rewarding to, to talk to folks doing this work and, to feel like maybe I'm amplifying their voice a little bit, um, that someone out there hears it and maybe it inspires them or it helps them in their sustainability journey. 
Um, even if it's just one or two people, you know, it all kind of has a domino effect. Um, and yeah, I think it is like what you said, very important that we, we focus on what we're good at because there's so many ways to volunteer and spend your time on causes. Um, like so many causes too. Once you pick a cause, then it's like, okay, how do I help? And if you're not the person that's, that's good at knocking on doors or writing postcards or doing, you know, whatever form of activism you think you have to do, then you may be turned off from, from even trying. But if you can find that one thing or that two, those two things that you actually enjoy, um, then I think it makes all the difference because you're going to be more invested in, and do it you know, okay. for longer, probably. Um, yeah, so, so that said, you know, um, at least I thank you for, for what you've done in the past, if for nothing else, that it was, you know, fun and interesting um, to look at. And I, I realized that maybe it's not where your heart, what heart is now, but um, it, everything kind of brings us, I think, to where we are today. So it all kind of gives us the experience to, and the confidence to try the next thing and the next thing. So um, yeah, appreciate all the stuff you've done in the past, as well as what you're doing now. Um, so, uh, you, you kind of already touched on this, but is there any other advice you would offer folks who are interested in refrosting the planet in their own way? Yeah, I think, um, if I'm remembering how I started this project, as I, I've said a few times, I was doing this recorder thing and then I just seemingly to other people, I just switched and said, Hey, this is re Ollie Frost refrost the planet now. And I think the worry was um, people are going to be like, is this a joke or something? Because, oh, they're going to think, well, you've not talked about this like before. Or are you just trying to get on something that's popular? And I think that's those are thoughts that would go through anyone's um, anyone's mind. Um, and I think that that's probably a barrier for something for, for some people. And I think, yeah, the thing to realize is it's just the kind of issue where your your part the past kind of has to be put behind because if we just look for model perfect people who've had you know no guilt or involvement in this then we'll be down to a very small list um of people who can get involved um so i think i think that was a eventually you know a few years on from now that's that's not a thought and it's just um something that people you know accept that uh that that is a thing and um i think usually also with getting involved in a cause you know usually you have to have a story that um connects you or why you personally are relate you know related to that issue or how it's affected you in in your life and i don't think this is another exception where that's not really necessary you know you i think we all just need to, I think we, you know, we just recognize that it's something that everybody um, needs to be involved, involved with. And you don't have to have that, um, you know, something that says, hey, I'm a, I'm a professor of sustainability and that's why I do this. Or, hey, um, I'm, you know, I'm qualified in this, in this way. It's, um, so yeah, I guess that's my advice is, is not to let if there's are something is something that's on your mind and not to really let that um get in the way 
Yeah, imposter syndrome is real and um, it's, it holds a lot of folks back from, from trying new things. So that's a great reminder um, to just get out there and, and do it. <laughs> um, I just had a um, question that's been bothering me for, for a while since I saw this, this video that you did um, and I was very concerned, but you, speaking of doing um, videos for things that people may not realize affect the climate or have anything to do with the environment. <laughs> um, you did a video a while back where you get you said you would give up cheese for every hour or, or for an hour for every like I think that you got on that post and um, I was very saddened because I love cheese but I'm just wondering how many hours did you have to give up cheese for and how did you make it through that grueling ordeal? <laughs> Um, yeah, I I don't know how many it was now, but I think it was maybe four or four or five months. But you know, and I, that's without me having a um, a huge following. I'm, I'm, I I might I might try it again, but it is it is a risky move. Um, <laughs> I I I I'm, eat, I'm eating a lot. I mean, I've tried now the alternatives. And I think certain cheeses, I can quite safely say that you can substitute very easily, like a mozzarella or a feta. Um, and that's kind of what I've done at, at the end of this is like a very, I don't think it's, it's of interest to anyone, but my like a very flexible vegan diet that, that sort of at the moment looks like not really eating meat much at all. Um, but occasionally, and then substituting the things that you can easily substitute, whereas you can easily substitute milk or or, or cheese, um, uh, and then certain things like, well, I was going to say I, I I plan to become a pizzatarian and just <laughs> that be like the one non-vegan thing I eat, but I actually have had some pretty good vegan pizzas um, of lately. Um, so I actually just switch. Sometimes I would eat a vegan pizza, and sometimes I wouldn't. I mean, this has turned into quite like a indulgent discussion of my current <laughs> like diet. But I, I'm, I'm finding it interesting because people are not. Maybe people find that co concept quite alien because they would like you to just be a vegan or a vegetarian or something like that. And if that makes sense, if you're specifically doing it for like an ethical reason but if you're doing it for an environmental reason you're just playing a, like a, a a matter of reduction um so you know each instance does make a does make a difference in a way um so that, that's my my long-winded and, and overly uh personal answer no that's that's very relatable um especially for me because I, I love cheese, I love pizza, and those are the things that when I think about going vegan or vegetarian are the hardest for me to to get past. And I know that's that's kind of an entitled uh, privileged thing, but um, you know, I've also had to kind of accept that I'm you know just doing the best I can at this point in my life in in maintaining a more sustainable diet. And part of that is like you said, reducing the amount of meat that I eat and dairy and um, I, I don't know that my mental health could manage, you know, completely shifting my, my diet, um, to a vegan diet at this point, but, 
uh, I'm giving myself the grace to kind of, <laughs> and I think that's an important message for folks is like, you don't have to do it all perfectly all the time, but you know, do the best you can and reduce and maybe be a pizzatarian or, or whatever you, <laughs> whatever um, one thing you can't give up, give yourself that because, you know, we can't live in denial all the time. <laughs> um, so uh, do you have any resources or um, other, you know, influencers or, or people you would suggest for people to look up um, that you would want to share with our listeners uh, so they can like learn more about the issues that we're talking about? Um, there is, there is loads there. Um, I, I think, I don't know the last, I, I'm not sure if it be for everyone, or, but it, the last book I read was um, this book by Jason Hickel, I think, called Less is More. I didn't really like the title. I didn't really like how the cover looked. I didn't really like any bad thing about it from the outside, but um, it's an interesting book on uh, degrowth, essentially, um, and talking about just the like practical impossibility of, of, of trying to constantly grow the economy while um, uh, keeping up with renewable renewable energy demand and um some particularly like interesting chapters on uh you know if we continue to grow the economy by 2050 just how much lithium and you know for example you'd need to create get keep two billion electric cars on the road or um you know things like that just the the challenge of uh not just replacing everything we're we're currently using, but you know, accounting for an infinite economic growth. And I, I describe the book as kind of like uh, Naomi Klein on on easy mode. It's uh, it's more like um, uh, briefly easy, plain reading, and like quite like simply argued, and maybe a little bit less um, poetic. And the words are bigger in the book as well. I thought that Naomi Klein's book, the words were very small, um, but a very good book. But um, I don't know. That's that's why I'm, I'm in my reading at the moment. Yeah, that book is actually on my list as well, because I, uh, funnily enough, used some of his academic papers in um, some papers I wrote last, last semester. So uh, yeah, I've been kind of familiarizing myself with the degrowth concept, and it's, it is interesting um, because you hear a lot about sustainable growth, but really that still requires growth, and degrowth is just like stopping all that and saying we can still survive without continuously consuming. So um, interesting concept, and we may have to do a show on that at some point. Um, so uh, I guess we'll move on now to uh, the part of the show where we share a green life hack uh, with listeners. So this is where we kind of just um, give listeners one action or resource or something they can do to live more sustainably. Um, so Ali, would you like to share your green life hack for our listeners? Um, I guess I'm ill prepared for that. I suppose my my useful, uh, more useful green life hack was my um, Flexigan or pizzatarian idea that I've, I've, I've just shared, but um, one on my mind today was that, like, we TV shows they 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 take a lot to produce, like they're very, uh, you know, very expensive ordeals. 
what if we focused on reusing the existing TV shows we have and just consumed more memes instead? Um, you know, memes that take clips, you know, screenshots. I think that's a more sustainable way to internet than, you know, Netflix, who are just like pumping out is it cake and, you know, shows like this just, and they're just throwing away a lot of cake in that show. I kept thinking about, I don't know if you still, is it cake where they try to guess whether the thing is cake or not? And they're just like making these massive cakes. And I kind of imagine someone is taking a, a cake home at the end or, but I also imagine the runners kind of like, oh, anyone want some of this cake? And everyone's like, I really got to go home. It's like 11. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my tip. No, I haven't seen that show. I, I haven't watched much TV at all in the last few years. But the food shows give me anxiety because of the waste that I see. And I'm just like you, like, oh, God, I hope someone on the set takes that home when they make, you know, an entire meal just to show you one step or something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I like the idea of, of re recycling TV clips into memes. Um, my green life hack um, is just a reminder to folks, uh, since this is uh, an election year, a midterm election year in the US and around the world, I know there's a lot of elections happening as well. Um, just a reminder to folks to kind of start researching the candidates now and getting familiar with who is climate friendly and who is not um, and maybe you know, asking people that are running for office some hard questions and, and just kind of letting them know that these are the issues that, that their constituents are thinking about. And um, yeah, if you start researching now who who is, you know, those things are important to, then it won't be as difficult come November or whenever your election cycle is to um, pick who you're going to vote for. It's usually pretty obvious, um, at least in the U.S. Um, but you never know. I don't want to, you know, just say that everything's on party lines. So um, do your research and just start kind of looking into that stuff now. So, <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, that's all that I have, Ollie. And I really appreciate you again, sharing your uh, time with us and, and giving us an inside look into what you do and, and how folks can kind of um, start to, you know, become activists in their own way. Um, where can we find you online and, and kind of experience more of your work? Um, yeah, um, on all on all the platforms, I'm Ollie Frost, but spelled O-L-I Frost. And there's a dot in there before the S and the T, but Ollie, Ollie Frost. And you're, I mean, your social platform of choice, but... Um, I think primarily on Instagram or, or more recently TikTok because they they seem to be um, being a lot a lot quite kinder to people that put things on their platform at the moment. But um, yeah, that that's me. All right. Well, I uh, can be found on um, Instagram and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. And uh, of course, here on Sustainably Geeky, occasionally on our parent show, Epically Geeky, and then our book club, Marginally Geeky. Um, I'll be on next month for a funny book by Nick Offerman. Um, and uh, the show itself can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sustainably Geeky. We're also on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. So please do look us up, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star rating, thumbs up, et cetera, et cetera, share with your friends. Um, we really appreciate your support. And if you have 
topic ideas for us, um, shoot me an email or a message through social media and we will definitely take a look. Um, thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 